Welcome to In the Envelope, an awards podcast. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage. I'm here to give you a front row seat to the Emmys, Oscars, SAG, and Tony's races. Who is in the running? What makes an award-worthy performance? And what are the secrets to giving one? These intimate, inspirational conversations with some of today's most talented stars provide you, dear listener, the kind of craft and career advice that could win you a statue of your own, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. We are still analog with paper. Jamie, make sure you get these sound effects. But also this. <laughs> oh, did I just screw it up? Oh, it's so loud. Okay, hi. <laughs> Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Um, Elise Roth is joining us on a very special episode of In the Envelope and Awards podcast. Hi. Hello. Um, this is our second ever uh, discussion-based episode of the podcast where instead of an Emmy-nominated guest or a Tony-nominated guest or an Oscar contender, we have a member of the Backstage staff come to talk about uh, the state of the race, I guess. Yeah. No, I'm not Emmy-nominated, but, but I'm a long-time Emmy watcher, which right. nominates me to have this conversation with you. I nominate you. <laughs> um, we at Backstage are, not to like toot our own horn, but kind of, we are experts in this field. We are. I would say you and I, in particular, are experts in the field of television and in the field of Emmys. In particular, we're here to talk about the 2019 Emmys. Yeah. Um, Very exciting list of nominees this year. It really is. Yeah. Some More exciting than I expected. Yeah. Yeah, especially um, what I had been, kept saying before the nominations came out, we should dive right into this. We both have our lists. We do have our lists. In front of us. Um, I expected the comedy races to be a little bit of the same old, same old. Mm -hmm. Where, like, the drama races, there are a lot of new stuff. Obviously, Game of Thrones dominated, and we'll talk about that. But, like, um, I didn't expect the comedy races to honor quite as much new stuff. Even, like, um, Schitt's Creek is not a new show. It took five seasons to get on Emmy voters' radar, and now it's on the radar in a big way. Mm -hmm. And you've got Russian Doll, and you've got a couple people I assumed were getting in that, that didn't. Fleabag. Fleabag went huge, huge. We knew Maisel would do mm -hmm. okay. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Let's look at this list. But last year, Maisel was the clear front runner. There was almost no question that it was going to do as well as it did. Mm -hmm. And this year, it's like, that's not necessarily What's the case. What's going on? I know. And there are things that I don't... The front runner, mm. by radar for who is the standout, yeah. has been totally dis disrupted because totally. yeah. of some of the surprise nominees. Totally. We should talk a little bit about last year because that was an interesting case where um, Game of Thrones had come back and so it was eligible and it did win a bunch. Mm -hmm. And then, but it was Veep, which tends to win a lot of the comedy races, right. that was not there last year. And so what makes this year sort of interesting is Game of Thrones, which is definitely the top earner in the drama categories, and Veep, which as usual earned quite a few, in the comedy categories, those are both, both HBO shows and both ending, or both have, you know, right. ended. It's like their, their farewell 
yeah. last chance to be nominated. Last chance, which does make me think voters are very aware of that. And certainly Game of Thrones broke the record this year for most uh, nominations ever given in a single year to a scripted series or a scripted drama or a scripted series. That's your area of expertise. <laughs> the record stuff. I also have this cool thing here where it's like, most Emmy nominations for an individual, Lauren Michaels, now has 90. Last oh, wow. year he was 86, and now he's all the way up to 90. I never thought about that somehow. It's all him. And, and then if you go to like most awards won by individuals, you'd think it would be an actor, but no, it's Sheila yes. Nevins. And um, obviously most Emmy nom- noms for a single program is Saturday Night Live with 270. But Game of Thrones, 161. It, it's huge. crazy because... Yes, yeah, Saturday Night Live seems obvious, but it's also been on since 1975, right. and it's eligible in so many categories, <laughs> yeah. and Game of Thrones has been on for a long time, but it's been yeah. 10 years, and it hasn't even been right. eligible every one of those 10 years. Right, exactly. And, and I believe it's won 93 Emmys. Right. So most of any scripted series. That is an impressive second place to something that has been on for... Oh, yeah many people who are alive now their whole life. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. This really is the end of an era in terms of spe- specifically Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. When was the last time we all gathered around on a Monday morning and talked about an episode of TV? Yeah. It feels, yeah, the end of the water cooler era. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And obviously the nominators at the Emmys this year, in particular with the acting, I think if I had gone through and made a list of who I thought was going to be predicted, I didn't know that the supporting actress in a drama category would be four uh, Game of Thrones actresses plus two non-Game of Thrones actresses. Yeah, it's interesting because they, Game of Thrones always picks up a lot of nominations and it has regularly picked up some acting nominations. Sure. It almost never wins those acting categories. Peter Dinklage and, is the only exception. And there's usually yeah. one, maybe two people in a category, and mm. that's like they're, they're the person that's grounding it for the acting categories. Totally. But, but they've won a lot in those creative arts categories and yeah, the technical categories. The technical yeah. And which it's very deserving because they. The special effects on that yeah. show. Oh Each episode is like this epic movie, basically, right. especially this season. But it was interesting to look at the nominations this oh year and see so many actors, including three that HBO didn't even submit, <laughs> that submitted themselves, and they still got nominated. I wanted to ask you about that. So you were all over that story. Um, that sounds like a very backstage story to have somebody like, we, Gwendolyn Christie is, we all love her. She's an established yeah. person. But allegedly, HBO didn't do anything to submit her episode, and she did no. it herself. Yeah. What? Like, yeah. that's crazy. Right, that is crazy, but it's also, it's not unheard of, and uh-huh. it's, if you're an actor that believes in your work and that you're doing good work, then yeah. it's, it's a nominal fee, if you're a Game of Thrones actor especially, to enter <laughs> yourself, and yeah. why not? What do you have to lose? You start out not nominated. Totally. The worst that could happen is that you don't get nominated, but the best that could happen is that you get nominated for an Emmy. Completely. And... And I think those are all really deserved. Um, Alfie Allen yeah. was nominated for the first time. He was so mm-hmm. good in that last season. Yeah. So I think that it's very deserved. Mm-hmm. And Gwendolyn Christie at times has done just as much as some of the mm. nominees that were submitted by HBO. Yeah. And she's had some really emotional scenes. She's had a lot of really mm. active scenes. She's really done the she range of Game yeah. of Thrones well, tones and moods. Totally. So, which almost brings me to like, who would you want to? How do you pick a winner 
in that category, but also just in general, when, when you have multiple, multiple nominees from one show, it can be hard to be like, first of all, who do, who do we think is going yeah. to win? Is their vote splitting? And it feels like, you know, if you're looking at it as a cumulative type of nomination, oh, which that. they're not, that's mm. not how the awards work, but I, I can't imagine that some of the voters don't vote that way. Yeah. For the last I mean, hurrah, you might sure. yeah, you might want Lena Headey because she's given right. eight seasons of incredible work. But she didn't have as much to do in this most recent Not season, much, yeah. or even in the last two recent seasons than someone like Sophie Turner, who wouldn't have totally. maybe stuck out to you in the early seasons because yeah. there were a lot of cast members and she was younger, totally. and her character wasn't as developed or going through anything mm -hmm. as adult as it has in more recent seasons. So yeah, it's just... There's a little bit of a crowning thing as a voter where you're like, I want this person to be an Emmy winner. There's a little bit of the, like, always the bridesmaid, never a bride thing. Mm -hmm. of Like, they've been nominated so many times. That is true for Lena Headey, for sure, yeah. in that category. And even someone like Maisie Williams, who doesn't mm. seem super likely, she's a personal favorite of mine, so I'm a little bit biased. <laughs> you want to vote think, for her. But I think about how her arc over the whole series is, like, she started out as this kid oh, yeah. who was in a certain family situation, and over the course it feels like no other character has gone that, to yeah. the lengths that she has gone to different parts of this world. She's done crazy fight choreography. Mm -hmm. She's been paired with all these different actors. She's held her own oh, against yeah. very established adult actors. Totally. So that feels very deserved. But at the same time, it's mm -hmm. like, how do you choose between all these people who've had vastly different experiences on the same show? Totally. It's such a sprawling epic of a show. And it's that thing, too, where, like, I don't know this off the top of my head, but if there's ever been, it's very rare that there are four actors in the same category, from the same show in one category, but I imagine that the precedent for that isn't that one of those wins. I feel like vote splitting is, yeah. is a factor here. Right. And the other two nominees, I believe, are Fiona Shaw for Killing Eve mm -hmm. and Julia Garner for Ozark, both of which we need to talk about. Right, two more very, yeah, amazing dramas, deserving mm -hmm. actors, yeah. amazing performances, this year is it's really a challenge. It is. Uh, the I let's I want to get to the lead drama actress category. Let's only talk about the actress categories, you know? That's all I I don't yeah. really care about the actors. Okay. <laughs> Your um, beloved Richard Madden was not nominated. Yeah. For Bodyguard. Of course. It is um <laughs> it's very sad. But this is why I this is what I predicted in terms of the nominations. Leading actress in a drama this year, the only eligible person from the 2018 nominees was Sandra Oh for Killing Eve. Her fellow 2018 nominees, which was like Elizabeth Moss, Claire Foy, mm -hmm. who won, um, none of the, uh, Carrie Russell for the last season of American, stuff like that, none of them were yeah. eligible. So Sandra, of course, is nominated again, but everyone else in her category is new this year. New, but then also... Some of them new for the first time. Like, yes. Mandy Moore's never been nominated. Viola Joan, Davis obviously has one. And then, and Robin Wright. Robin Wright's been nominated, but like, that's her surprise. last draw too. Yeah, yeah, and it was a very different season for her for many reasons. Sure. Um, and then Sandra O oh against her co-star, exactly. Jodie Comer, which it's almost like they should get a joint win because they totally like they're, they're individually, <laughs> their performances are incredible, but they're also so incredible because of how they play off each yeah. other. Best chemistry should be it. Yeah. Elise and I talk a lot about uh, categories we would make up at the Emmys, yeah. but at other award shows too. And it does feel particularly frustrating for a lot of the shows that are nominated this year that mm -hmm. there isn't an ensemble category. Sure. Oh, because sure. Because that is really something that... Yeah. 
off the top of my, I mean, Veep, Game of Thrones, Super Ensemble, Schitt's Creek, Might Maisel, um, Chernobyl is an ensemble yeah. show, When They See Us, obviously, oh my oh. god. Oh my god, can we talk about When They See Us? Yeah, can we, the, so, holy cow. All the categories, especially in acting, are extremely strong this year. Yeah. But when it comes to this, like, the miniseries category, to me, is it's one of the most exciting so years in recent memory. Yeah. And I don't know if anyone predicted that, the, I believe it's eight When They See Us actors were nominated in those categories. Yes, Which it is, is half of all of When They See Us' Emmy nominations. They got 16. And that's the top-earning Netflix show this year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Which it's much deserved. Totally. It is... That was a show that I watched and didn't stop thinking about for mm. basically days straight after. It yeah. was very effective, very totally. well done. I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. No, and Ava DuVernay, it, I mean, she is the director of that show, and she she's the reason why there's eight acting nominees. Like, yeah. She connects with those actors, and they connect with the camera, and they connect with each other, and it's uh, it's must-see must TV. I right. Think. And, I mean... Aisha Coley, her go-to casting director, should be uh, shouted out for that. She's nominated. Amazing. I was lucky enough to speak with her yes. earlier this year, and she found these five kids. Mm. Some of them were new to acting. Amazing. Or hadn't done something quite so heavy before. and To play real-life people. Right, and yeah. really carry it and really mm. draw you into the show. You believed that these kids were them and then you believe that the adults that she cast were also them later Mm. it just was one of those things where you're like oh this okay this isn't this is based on a true story but these are not the people this is not a documentary you have to shake yourself out yeah 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 yeah. i wanted um elise to give the spiel about um casting and the art of casting first of all how we just went through the list you've not you've interviewed so many of the casting directors who are nominated for the casting Emmys. Yes, I have interviewed a lot of them. Not always <laughs> for the show they're nominated for, which sure. also shows that how much work all these people are doing. Like the the team that's nominated for Barry yeah. is also the team that casts The Handmaid's Tale and The Act. So and, random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes and, it's super random. And it's just they do so much. And it, yeah. So um, a lot of these people cast film as well. So you're right. Yeah. Cindy Tolan, um, who's nominated for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but she did mm-hmm. If Beale Street Could Talk last year. She's totally. doing West Side Story with Steven Spielberg. Oh, um, I know Telsey and Canfield do a lot of theater. Yes, well. yeah. and they also do This Is Us. Um, oh, amazing! And they do a lot of films. They do. Uh, they did Mary Poppins last year. They do cool. a lot of the musical films. A lot of Rob Marshall. Sure. And they, they are nominated for Fosse Verdon this year. Yes. So, Fosse Verdon, amazing show. <laughs> okay, but go on, go on. Well, I was going to, before we, we can still talk about casting, but to yeah. kind of kick off the conversation, the Emmys are the only major award show that has a casting category. Yeah. And there are four separate casting categories. There's oh, right. drama, comedy, limited series, and reality, which shows hmm. how important of a element it is to every aspect of television and um it's much deserved it feels ridiculous frankly that there aren't that's not recognized on the other awards certainly at the oscars yeah i mean it's the most underappreciated of the it is an art form right as we keep saying on the backstage there are so many going back to when they see us there are people that they pulled out of the middle of the country out of you know it takes so much work and so much time and a level of taste and a level of talent to identify the people mm. who can 
fill those roles. Yeah. And as much as the director and depending on how the structure is, the producer, the studio, mm. people have to sign off on it, but those people couldn't necessarily go to a group of people or look at a, you know, stack of tapes or go to an open Gosh, call right. and say, that's the person, that's the one. It takes totally. a person who's dedicated to that skill mm. to pick out the people and narrow it down and then deliver those to the people who are making the ultimate decision. Yeah. And, and as you've said before, it's especially with the first time or the new or the up and coming actors, whereas it's a little different when you're calling Robin Wright or you're calling right. a big star. But then I think of, so Cindy Tolan is nominated for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but the original casting team was nominated mm. last year for the first season because the, there were three separate casting directors that worked on the pilot and there was a West Coast and an East Coast. Oh, wow. So I spoke with someone else on the team last year who mentioned, you know, she's working really closely with Amy Sherman Palladino. There are three casting directors. They're all bringing people in. They're all working on it. And for someone like Alex Borstein's role, ah. they were looking for a younger actor. They wanted someone who was closer to the Midge Maisel age, so that they were like two like opposite sides of the same coin. Oh. And it was the casting director who Insisted. Amy Sherman Palladino is friends with Alex Borstein. She's been, you know, she made appearances in Gilmore Girls. Yeah. And she, but she was like, I think you're thinking of. Alex Borstein and she was like no I don't like that's uh, not and it was it was almost like you know it was negotiating yeah oh, wow. and so it wasn't like you know I don't it's not like it was unheard of because they're friends and sure. she was like I really think that you wrote this for yeah. this actor that is your friend yeah, but yeah, yeah. she had she had developed this idea of who this character was and it was the collaboration with the casting director that got it to that Amazing. point you know I mean well it got to the point where Alex Borstein won last year's Emmy for right. supporting comedy actress right and in fact, that brings us to last year's winners also were um, Bill Hader and Henry Winkler both for Barry, and Rachel Brosnan and Alec Burstyn both for um, mm -hmm. for Maisel. And like we said earlier, I think it's a little more up in the air. So. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's one of the first times in a while that I've looked at the list and just really, yeah, it could be anyone's game for a lot of these like, categories. Leading actress in a comedy Every year, it's my favorite category, of course. Mm -hmm. But this year, it feels like especially a treat because how many people predicted that Phoebe Waller-Bridge would arrive here with Fleabag, yes. get nominated, same thing for Catherine O'Hara, mm -hmm. five seasons in to Pop TV, this tiny little Canadian network's Shit's Creek. Of course, it achieved bigger distribution because it started streaming on Netflix, and that's why Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy are both nominated, mm -hmm. and so is Shit's Creek well, for Fleabag, Best Comedy. Oh, it's... Same you thing. know, this widespread yeah. aspect to Amazon. To Amazon. It's a BBC show, but none of us, I mean, yeah. the Emmys didn't really nominate Fleabag right. season one. And they, the way that British TV works, it's so different from here, mm. and it made a splash in the UK, but yeah. it was one season that was six episodes, and there yeah. are a lot of those okay. types of se series in the UK, and sure. it came here, and I think it's slowly, it was almost the perfect time for it to come back, because mm. it was it slowly was, it snowballed in terms of the critical people, praise, the awareness of it. Yeah. And yeah. now it was like, everyone was waiting for it in May. And she did her Broadway show or she did her show on or off Broadway. Yes. That must which have helped. helped to be like, what is this? What is it? Yeah. Well, Fleabag. For those who are unfortunately hadn't discovered before. Right. But. Yeah. It all originated in a one woman show back in 2011. Yeah. And at it the was, fringe festival. Yeah. It was a, 
her friend asked her to do something, to do a 10-minute thing, and it's like... It's now snowballed into 11 Emmy nominations. And I believe, off the top of my head, all the actresses on that show are nominated. So of these 11, you've got Phoebe and leading actress, both Sian... Sean. Sean Clifford, thank you, and Olivia Coleman, Oscar winner Olivia Coleman in the supporting category, Fiona Shaw, again nominated, and um, Kristen Scott Thomas, mm-hmm. both in guest actress in the comedy. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. But Nobody it, expected that. No, and it's again, it's it's so different from American television. Six episodes, twenty minutes each. Super short. Change. Yeah. And like, stop listening to this podcast right now and go watch it if you haven't. Yeah. It's pretty much must see TV. <laughs> We're obsessed with it at Yeah, it's like it's one of those things <laughs> that you can't when if you love TV and you love comedy, then you won't you believe that you hadn't seen it before totally. and then you won't be able to keep yourself from watching it again. Totally. Oh my god. That category of leading uh, male actor in a comedy is also like totally amazing. I'm obsessed with Don Cheadle and Black Monday, for example. I'm so glad Ted Danson was nominated for mm-hmm. The Good Place. Very surprised that The Good Place was also nominated for Best Comedy. It's a very good sign. Yes. Um, again, the comedy races, I would have predicted a lot of the same old, same old. And instead they went for The Good Place, they went for Shit's Creek, they went for Fleabag, like yeah, it's, amazing. It's it is exciting. It, it, you think about it, and you know, there HBO and Netflix have a strong showing. Yeah, but as usual, there there is a variety that you see that you didn't necessarily expect that you mm-hmm. haven't seen before. I mean, Killing Eve. That recognition is really important. BBC America. Yeah, it's just I mean another Phoebe Waller Bridge, but it's just it's, yeah. You know, people are recognizing her. good quality work. It doesn't matter totally. where they're totally. More and more, um, I I would say, I don't necessarily have the exact statistics to back this up, but more and more female-led work, more shows Mm -hmm. that center female characters. I mean, look at House of Cards and how it was essentially a male actor was in the leading, leading role, and Robin Wright was also a leading role, Mm -hmm. and now it's very much her show. Killing Eve is a fully female-led, female-driven yep. show. Female-produced. Female-produced. I, I love that Fosse Verdon didn't shy away from like making Bob Fosse, mm-hmm. played by um, Sam Rockwell. <laughs> they didn't shy away from his womanizing weight. Like, he's legendary no, for that. They and, were very honest. Yeah, in, and very even in their distribution of like wanting to tell Michelle Williams' Gwen yeah. Verdon story. Right, and they didn't sugarcoat yeah. how contentious that relationship could totally. get. And the realities of what it was like to be in his orbit and what it was like mm-hmm. to be her in his orbit. Yeah. And to have your talent and aspects of your genius overshine because <laughs> right? of oh my God. so many elements of the time. This is a, every year is great for limited series, but this really feels like, and that's another one where I don't know who's going to win. For yeah. best limited series, we have Fosse Burden, Sharp Objects, which mm-hmm. I loved. When They See Us, of course, which we talked about. Chernobyl, which I know you loved. I haven't seen it. Yeah, at all. I loved it. I thought it was yeah. perfect length, very well done, again, very effective. Oh, and then Escape It to Anamora. Which, a Ben Stiller produced series that came mm-hmm. out in the fall and won a it's already won a lot of awards. Yes. Yeah. Arquette has been cleaning up for that. And it was one of those things where obviously it was well done and obviously people watched it, but mm-hmm. more than other limited series definitely flew under the radar. Yeah. And then she kept winning for things. And then she came out in the act, and it's like... Oh my well, god, who, the act! It's almost like who has a chance, and then you look at the categories, and you're like, okay, well, other it's people tough. do have a chance, but yeah. she... she Double nominee. She disappeared into that character. <sighs> into two very creepy, very different characters. Yeah, yeah. It could really be the year of Patricia Arquette. I would be thrilled for her yeah. if she won both categories in limited series, 
But yeah, she'd be beating out a lot of really talented people. Yeah, and then Joey King also nominated, also nominated yeah. for that show. They're in different categories for that show. Mm-hmm. And it's... And the I act mean, was so good and it couldn't even get into the limited series category. Right. That's a sign of that. True Detective is another one I thought it was magnificent. Yeah. Mahershala Ali is amazing. Didn't get into the limited series. It's just... I, don't, I look at this list of especially the limited series actress. Yeah. And read off those names. Okay. It's Amy Adams for, for Sharp Objects, Patricia Arquette for Escape at Dan Mora, Michelle Williams for Fosse Burden, Joey King for The Act, Anjanou Ellis for When They See Us, and Nisi Na- Nash for When They See oh Us. So, Who to thunk? I mean, anyone who saw them, but it's like, how do you, first of all, how do you. <laughs> narrow down to just yeah. that short list of names no. with these I options. don't know who I would... It's like the apocalypse. How am I supposed to pick someone? Yeah. It really does feel like an impossible choice. And as... I mean, as a watcher of award shows, what I really want is unpredictability. Mm-hmm. I want to be sitting there on the night of and be thinking, like, who could win? Right. And last year when everyone... Or maybe not everyone, but I assume Elizabeth <laughs> Moss would pick up her second Emmy oh, sure. for Handmaid's Tale because, mm-hmm. you know, it's... It's hard to ignore her portrayal yeah. of Alfred, June, all the iterations of the name yes. that she's gone through on that show. And they had dominated the year before, yeah. And Claire Foy. And that was yep. much deserved, but a huge surprise. Yeah, totally. And that is exciting. Totally. And again, that category is super exciting. I love um, that there are a lot of double nominees, like Sandra Oh is double nominated, Fiona Shaw we talked about. And Patricia yeah, Patricia Arquette. Arquette. Like, I, what, is it sacrilegious to say I just want her to win both? I haven't even seen Escape no. Down more. Oh, well. I mean, it's but the thing list. is, it's like, you see her in anything, and you're like, that's an amazing actor. Yes. Anything that she is in, she's going to be amazing in. Yeah, yeah. And oh, I'm so excited to see her. You can just today. trust that she... But then it's like, the other Patricia, Patricia Clarkson, uh, for another deranged mother character in Sharp Objects, totally. it's a theme. also nominated. And it's like, yeah. how do you choose? How do you choose? Amazing. Um, before we wrap up, I want to talk... I want to ask, like favorites favorites that we have especially ones we haven't really talked about yet like is there a performance this year that you can't stop thinking about i know that we um we at backstage we write this feature every year where we talk about our favorite moments of the tv mm-hmm. season at least wrote about when they see us you've already talked about when yeah. they see us i do think Jarrell jerome in mm. who's nominated as a lead actor for a limited series yeah. um he he was the only actor who played one of the quote Central Park Five mm-hmm. who played the younger and the older yeah. versions of that character or that person that he was portraying and he was incredible it was just yeah. he basically carried the last episode of the four part mm. miniseries limited series and it was just yeah like you needed to go and take a walk and clear your head after uh, especially after it ended it gets under he, your skin yeah yeah, yeah he totally. was just he was incredible he, we've seen him before. Yeah. He's in Moonlight. He, that was, I think, probably the first time yeah. people really saw him. But a bit of a breakout, but this is yeah, really but official. He, and people, he's been working since then, but mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where you're just like, oh, he, yeah. like, he's going to have a long career. Totally. And this was, I hope so, really put him on the map as an adult actor, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, for that feature, I specifically wrote about this for one tiny moment in The Good Place. Maya Rudolph, who is nominated for Guest Actress in a Comedy, she wiggles her shoulders in a certain way. <laughs> we can link to that feature when it comes out, because I just thought that 
it's funny what lingers in your head. Like, we watch a lot of TV. Yes. There's a lot of TV out there. This is the era of peak TV. I'm sitting here admitting that I haven't seen certain shows, even though I'm supposed to have. Because there's only so many hours yeah, in the day. Impossible. So the one, this, those moments that stick out and those examples of great acting, writing, directing, that must mean it's a really good example of that because mm-hmm. it's rising above the others. Yeah. And that's, I think, the thing about the Emmys is that they've become almost more legitimate and more prestigious because there's so much TV that people need an indicator of what's great, what's exceptional, you know? Yeah. And, it, I mean, we've like we talked about... I feel like you can continue to add categories, categories there are already for so forever, many. Yeah. and it still wouldn't be enough no. to accommodate all the talent that is working in front of and behind the camera totally. on TV, but it's it's both, you know, an indicator of maybe what you should watch, mm-hmm. or really what's rising above, but also, you know, there's, not, there's never going to be enough categories or slots in a category for all... Yeah, high quality television that's out no, there. No, that uh, featured actress in a comedy category, each year it's like eight nominees. There's only supposed mm-hmm. to be six. And each year they're like, we're squeezing in a bunch of others because like, yeah. we can't choose. And I wish there were more ties because people deserve yeah. to you know, share the thing. Are there any other last minute people to shout out? I wish that Pose, which was oh. nominated for Best Drama, Thank God. Mm-hmm. I wish that had gotten more recognition. Yeah, but that was another one where the casting director, Alexa L. Fogel, was uh, nominated very deservingly very so, deserving. because yeah. it's a it's a real history-making cast that yep. is incredible, gives incredible performances. All the artistry on that show really is just totally. above and beyond. Yeah, and one of those few things where you can say, I have never seen anything like this before. Right, and it's another one where it's like, wow, this would be perfect for an ensemble category. <gasps> totally. Well, good thing we have the SAG Awards. Yes. Come winter, mm-hmm. we'll all be celebrating the uh, best performances of film and TV individually, but also they have those the, those ensemble awards. And yeah, at least they're somewhere. We can get in, exactly, exactly. Okay, well, Elise, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Are there me. any other last-minute things we're supposed to talk about? Mm. The Emmys are September 22nd, that's worth mentioning, and... I don't want to jinx it because some of these interviews haven't happened yet, but stay tuned Tuesdays and Thursdays for interviews with Emmy nominees. I have two booked in the pipeline again. I don't want to reveal any of like who they are, but they're very, very exciting, and we do already have one in the bag with someone in the supporting actress in a comedy category. I'm not going to say who. Keep it a surprise. I keep it a surprise, but um, definitely a show that we've talked about on this podcast and on today's episode. Yeah, I'm so excited about this year at the Emmys. Yeah, I mean, the, there is there's so much to talk about. We could be here for hours. We could be here all but day, but you got to get back to work. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Elise. Thanks for having me. Yay! We went inside the envelope for an episode. In the Envelope, an awards podcast, is recorded at Lotus Productions, Hyperbolic Audio, and Big Yellow Duck in New York City, and Soundbox LA, Mark Rouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, tweet us at In the Envelope, leave a review, we want to hear from you. Visit Backstage.com for more content and resources for working artists, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with a free trial by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout. Thanks as always to podcast producer Wiz, Jamie Muffet. You can follow him on Twitter at 
Jamie Music NYC. You can follow me, Jack Smart, on Twitter, at JackSmartWrites. Thank you to the team at Backstage, the most trusted name in casting, Mark Stinson, Samantha Sherlock, Francis Ramos, Caitlin Watkins, and especially, should-be Oscar nominee, Casey Howe. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.